0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to A608 After Hours. We are delighted to have with us today our guest, Michelle Brooks, alumni, um, alumnus of A608. In fact, Michelle was in the very, very first inaugural class of A608. That's so. right. Oh, oh gee. my goodness, yes. <laughs> so welcome, Michelle. Oh, we're, oh
1: gee. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> we so look forward to um, to engaging in a conversation with you, but um, we're going to reflect just for a few minutes before we turn it over to you on what we've been thinking about uh, this past week, what's come up in class and on our, our discussion board. And um, Uche, what have you been thinking about?
1: So... Thurgood Marshall is still running through my mind and this idea of stepping into a new context as a designated leader and knowing that the, the change is needed, but having to actually step back or having the discipline to step back and really analyze the context and see what's going on and balancing that with the sense of urgency that as a new leader you may have and seeing things through your lens and wanting to affect change. Um, But realizing that if you don't really understand the context, if you don't understand the players, what you may suggest may actually not work out very well because it's not keyed to the uniqueness of the context. And I think that's hard, especially in like, I've have, I'm working with a couple of school leaders who are just starting And they accepted their positions before COVID hit. And they already Mm -hmm. had these ideas about what changes may have needed to um, be done. But now the context is shifting. So there's so Mm -hmm. much more to learn.
0: Mm -hmm. So So it's like a dynamic process, right? It's
1: a dynamic process. And it's hard, but it's Mm -hmm. so necessary. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Monica?
0: Um. Kind of along the same lines is this this notion of um, listening, actively listening, and so you know, oftentimes leaders are so eager to step in, and you know they think they have the answer and so forth. And I think both of our conversations, our case conversations this week, uh, the case Thurgood Marshall, and then. Um, which Michelle actually had as a midterm <laughs> uh, and our simulation, you know, that was about how do you create the conditions so that teams, groups, organizations um, allow for enable um, diverse voices, diverse perspectives to be heard. And how can we kind of step in and prevent, um, you know, things from spiraling downward, you know, and how do you create the culture so that, um, we can actually have collaborative, productive conversations. That doesn't mean we always have to agree, but how do you create even the space for disagreement? So with that, I am just so, we are so pleased to have you here, Michelle. Um, I'm gonna give a quick introduction and then ask you to introduce yourself. So Michelle Brooks started her work in the education sector as the ED of the Boston Parent Organizing Network. In fact, I believe you were the architect of this. Maybe you'll as tell us a little director. bit more. It
2: was a, okay. It's a collaboration.
0: Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, and this is um, the network focused on organizing parents to support improving educational outcomes for marginalized youth. She then served on uh, the Boston School Committee for three and a half years before serving as an assistant, as assistant superintendent for family and student engagement of BPS for seven years and today she's a principal consultant at transformative solutions and focuses on organizational and professional development and supporting the development implementation and evaluation of family and community engagement initiatives. Michelle, welcome. Thank you for being here. And uh, so much for having me.
1: Welcome.
0: Wonderful to have you. If you want to add a few (laughs) words of introduction, that would be great.
2: Yeah. um, You know, as you read my my bio, I, I always think of um my roots. And um I was an organizer before I knew what an organizer was. And so all of my work has been through that lens of organizing. Even, even with my family. <laughs> so it is really, it. And, and for me, organizing is all about relationships and that has been the core of the work that I've done. Um, mm-hmm. Really looking at mm-hmm. relationships um, and how they impact change, how they impact culture and how they impact the work that we need to do to ensure that every one of our children and young people um, have access to the opportunities um, to really exercise their gifts and talents.
0: Yeah. And so, I love that the focus beyond on relationships beyond the school building in particular, I, right? Your right. work. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And the other thing that people need to know about me, this is this is this is the best thing about me, I think. I have nine grandsons. Ooh. Nine grandsons? And oh two great grandsons. Okay. No way. I have no granddaughters. No oh. Wow. Yes. So I look forward for them. <laughs> As, you know, most of them, five, six of them are adults. So one is getting married. So that's how I'm going to have to get my grandja- granddaughters. Right, right, right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, uh, wow. That's uh, big news. Congratulations. Thank you. It's thank wonderful. you. But this, this work is, you know, when I, I mentioned that because that's why I do this work. Every day I look at them, and I know that even though I have retired, uh, supposedly, um, I can't stop this work until I know that um, they will be seen. At, they will be able to come in, uh, come into spaces, and be their authentic self, and be mm-hmm. able to um, take advantage of opportunities. Um, to exercise their gifts because they're all brilliant and amazing and
0: wonderful. All right. So let's dig into how you do that. Um, So I'm curious. So you've dedicated your career to finding these transformative solutions to complex problems in school systems beyond school systems Mm -hmm. um, that really hinge on people's ability to work across lines of difference Tell us what you've learned about this challenging work. What has been the easiest, what's been the toughest part of creating truly productive collaboration in school communities?
2: So I'll I'll start with my my work as the ED of um, Boston Parent Organizing Network. Um, Prior to, to to going into that role, I was working in a high school and had organized parents, and we had done some really great things to help turn around that school, and so I, in my mind, I was like, okay, so this is what it takes and I can scale this up. And so I went into that role and they handed me a concept paper and said, okay, make this work. Um, and uh, I, I failed more than I succeeded in the beginning, um, hmm. but I learned. And uh, one of my greatest teachers was my father, <laughs> who would say to me, uh, why what every time I listen to you talk about this, you're talking about what you think should happen. Mm-hmm. What do the people who you are serving think you should happen? And I'm like, mm-hmm. what do you mean? What do you mean? Mm-hmm. And so that he introduced me to servant leadership. And through that process and and how to develop a living organization that focused on culture and relationships. And through that learning, what I, what I, after about six months of real, real frustration, I stepped back and I brought everyone to the table and I said, okay, so what are our greatest hopes and our fears about this work? And what, what is that vision that we have that we share? And it was through that process of really having deep conversations about not just the hopes, which allowed us to shape a vision, but the fears, you know, what, because the fears uh, um, change, people resist change because they have fear and they have fear that they're going to lose something or that they're going to fail at something. Mm -hmm. And so really being able to create a safe space, for folks to really unpack that.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: Once we got to a place where we could, we could see that and honor that and build the relationships of trust around the vision, then we were able to say, okay, now we can move forward with collaboration. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it, it, it really means um, for me, this whole notion of collaboration is very deeply tied to culture you know i have a friend and she says this her professor said said to them culture is strategy for breakfast i don't know who he was quoting but she said that to me and i was like you're absolutely right if you don't have a culture that is going to embrace the change or embrace the collaboration or embrace the solution in a collaborative and collective way of looking at it um, then that culture is going is is going to um, get in the way. It's going to become an, an obstruction. So really thinking about how do you build the relationships, a shared vision, and then use that, leverage that culture to build the collaborative effort. So mm-hmm. that was that was a major learning for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And I still carry that with me. Whenever I go in somewhere, I'm always my, my organizer pops up. You know. Uh, I love I, that. What are you most proud of? Whenever I go to work in a district, I ask the people who are on the ground. I might be working with the assistant superintendent, but I said I want to go talk to your people. And what are you most proud of? Mm-hmm. What do you? What is your greatest challenge for you as you? move forward in the work that helps mm. that helps to figure helps me to figure out what the real context is because you know you walk in and people say well this is the political context this is this right but you know for <laughs> me it's who is doing the work and how are they feeling and how do they see themselves in the work and how do they see the work and when you when you've unpeeled that and unpack that now you can say okay um there's there here are some ways forward and you know for me it's about collaboration is not about me leading collaboration I often um, I do coaching with with um, leaders in districts and I say it's not about you leading your role is to be able to organize your folks have them work collaboratively and make sure there's no obstacles to what they're trying to do so really being able to create that space, a safe space for them to collaborate, to disagree, to have conflict and work through that conflict. It's not easy. Yeah. Uh, the, conflict, the conflict is going to exist, but you can't have change without conflict. So mm-hmm. you know, when conflict arises, I get happy. I'm like, oh, we're getting there.
0: Yeah, getting, <laughs> getting somewhere. Right. And you're getting people to talk about the fears, too. That's really impressive. Yeah. That's but that takes to a while. Do. It takes a while. Yeah. Okay. We, the
2: first time we did it, we put it in a paper bag so no one had to say it. Write it on a write it on a post-it note, put it in a paper bag. Ah. <laughs> and then we read them. And so we started unpacking them because that, that was safer at that point.
0: Right, right.
2: And by the third conversation, people were owning up to what they had written on the post-it note and put in the bag. And really wanted to talk about it. So it's it is really about building the relationships of trust that cr- that impact the culture, mm-hmm. um, and organizing the work in such a way that it's not burdensome. Mm-hmm. That you know that that folks see themselves and their value in it.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. I love this. So helpful. Um, and clearly, this also takes. Uh, a really deep understanding of who you, are, who you are and as you started off kind of where you came from and where you come from yeah. and bringing that to the work. So I'd like to ask you in what ways your own background and your identity have impacted you as a leader and an architect
2: of this yeah. work? Well, I, I, my identity as, as a Black woman um, has totally driven all of all of my efforts and that's where I get the, right in my belly is where that passion and power um, and energy comes from for me to do that work um, but I also have to give uh, credit to my parents who um, who molded me in a way that was you know in the 50s and 60s when I grew up um, <clears throat> was very non-traditional they um, my my father was was a my father was a black nationalist and he did not believe in integration uh, <laughs> and um, he was he was a very powerful influence on me um, and how I saw myself in relationship to others. Um, at a very young age, he said to me, "You are a princess." He said, "And you will be a queen." And you should accept nothing less than what, how you define what that, what that is. And so, you know, for me, mm. that's always been my affect. Um, and, and my mother was the balancer. You know, my father, I was the only girl. I had six brothers, so I was the only girl. And my, my mother was the balancer. And she was like, you are, you are no better than anyone else. And no mm. one is better than you. Mm-hmm. You are unique in this world, dearest. I remember her saying to me, You there's only one of you in this universe. Can you imagine that? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. She said, so when something is only one in the universe, what is it? I said, it's special. You know, so that's how I have always seen seen myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of this work, you know, sometimes that gets tested. And in days like we are living in now, that gets tested a lot. Especially yeah. when I think of my nine grandsons,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, that's what keeps me going in this work. But that's also my biggest fear in this work. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. know, what are we? What kind of life uh, uh, are we leaving? What kind of world are we leaving for them? What kind of lives will they have? And um, and what more can I do? in order to do this, in, to, in mm-hmm. order to move folks and to really push folks to have the hard conversation, help them to understand how to have the conversations right. and how to stand up and be that authentic self. They always say to mm-hmm. me, what does that mean, authentic self? I said, go look up the words.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then and just be real. Just be you, who you are. There's no one else like you. Uh, so it's, for me, that's that's what drives me. That's how um, my identity as a, as a, as a mother, as a, as a sister, as a grandmother, great grandmother, and, um, and as a colleague, that's what drives me.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This
2: whole notion that each of us is, is unique in this world and we all have gifts and talents and we just need the opportunities to, to be able to um, manifest
1: them. I love that, Michelle. That's just be real we all have assets that we can bring to bear. And being real is core to you being able to be a great leader. I love that, that authenticity. Um, I also love that how you, one thing that struck me, because you're talking about collaboration and like being real, it's something that authenticity is going to help you in your work, bringing people from different, part, different sides of the table. But you also talked about the influence that your parents together had on you. You mentioned like your father, like he had his very strong feelings and he used those being real again to kind of um, impart some knowledge to you and some beliefs. But then you also mentioned that your mom was a moderating influence. And and I, when I hear that, I'm thinking of them kind of working together as a team and helping kind of guide you. Mm. And I think about that team a little bit differently than I think about these diverse stakeholders that you're working with and trying to build this collaborative group. And I know that in A608, a lot of what we talk about is this team, this idea of team and teaming Mm -hmm. and working with a team and when to use teams and how to build teams. So (laughs) could you talk a little bit about how you use teams or you think about teams in your work? Any surprises in your Uh, experience? uh,
2: I think when I went into the role of assistant superintendent in Boston, um, I walked into a department, there were 26 people and I couldn't figure out what they did. And when I did one-on-ones with each of them, they told me how great the how great how the work they were doing was, but how they didn't know what anybody else was doing. And she, they didn't think that anybody else was working as hard as them. Um, And I realized after I did 26 of those interviews (laughs) that I needed to build a team. I also realized that I had um, probably three-fourths of those folks were uniquely talented and had exactly what I needed in order to pull a team together to create a vision and move the work forward. Um, But they didn't see themselves as a team. And so... Um, it it was it was really tough. Um,
1: Could you say was, quickly what you when you say team what that means to you that they didn't see themselves as a team?
2: So they didn't they didn't see themselves as working collaboratively as they didn't have any sense of collective ownership for the work. Mm. They. Um, they were focused on their outcomes and, and not the collective outcomes. Uh, and quite frankly, the, every, all of that was very weak. So the only thing that they could grab onto was, this is what I'm doing. My schools did this. I don't know what they're doing. I don't think that their schools really did that, that kind of, and there was, and there was conflict. There was conflict. So for me, it was really about um, working with them to say, we have to work as a team and we are a team. This is a department that has a focus, but let's talk about what is our work. So we spent a lot of time really uh, defining what is the work that we do? And it was really about unpacking because they had one thing and I had another idea and we landed somewhere right in the middle. Uh, And we defined the work and then the next piece for us was we did uh, what I call a, a skills map where, so what are the skills, the, the skills, abilities, and dispositions that the knowledge, skills, and abilities and dispositions that someone who does the work that we just defined, what do they need? And so we mapped all of that up. And once they were able to see that, some of them said, that's not what I wanna do. And so they, they left. But those, they were like, okay, so this is clear. I said, so now I want each of you to tell me, um, with this map, how, where do you fit? And um, from there, it was my job to figure out how do you, how do I support them? How do I create the conditions for them now to come together? Because now they saw that some one person's, and we talked about how one person's strength and on the team actually balanced, created balance on the team. And so people began to see the value in each other. Mm-hmm. And it, it mm-hmm. took a while. It took a while. Um, but I think by by eight in eight, 18 months, we started launching programs and folks were, you know, we had consultations. We I created a, a structure where that forced them to come together. So whenever someone came to me and said, Michelle, I have an issue. I'm like, "Who are, who, how, who? how many of your colleagues have you talked to about the issue you have? you are like, none. I came directly to you. I said, well, you go back to them. You talk to at least three of them. And if none of you can come up with a solution, then I will come and I will talk to all of you and I will help you all get there. Wow. And that's, you know, and so they had, uh, I found out like three years later, they had this saying, this has it been michelle Oh someone would say, "What does that mean?" Every, you got to give it to at least four or five verbed. people before you give it to Michelle. Oh You've been verbed. That's I love awesome. that. <laughs> so um, it, 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 and then it. What it did was it built relationships mm-hmm. where the yeah. relationships were really conflicted. Some of some of some folks wouldn't weren't even talking. They realized mm-hmm. they
1: needed each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love. There's a couple of things I'm taking from this. So, like this first, like what is this? Let's get this just make sure we're aligned in terms of what our purpose Let's get mm-hmm. our skills and knowledge and dispositions on the map and then make sure that what we have is actually coherent and works together in a way that supports whatever it is that we're aligned to you did mention <laughs> that some folks kind of had to i don't know get off the bus yeah how did that... them off the bus so can you mm. talk a little bit about that like why that was important and how that affected the team
2: so I had I had a mantra that there will be no obstacles to the work. And I what I said to them was if I woke up one morning and realized that I was an obstacle to the work, I would remove myself from this so that the work could could move. And so and then I would and then I would just stop and I'd look and I'd smile. And I said, So there will be no obstacles to the work. I said, but this is not to dishonor anything that you have done. Mm-hmm. because the work that you have done that has gotten us here is foundational to where we are right now. So if you choose not to do this work, I I have great respect for that. And I, in any way I can be helpful to you. Some of them who left, I still am in touch. Mm-hmm. Like, right. You made it easy for me mm-hmm. to say, this is not what I want to do. That's right. I said, but if you stay, that. there's mm-hmm. a set of expectations Mm -hmm. and the work is ahead and you know by that that first year I I actually had to cut the staff in half because of budget cuts Mm -hmm. and we had uh we ended up with I think it was 12 people and we did more with those 12 people in 18 months than that whole staff of 26 had done in like the three years previous wow wow
1: that's amazing
2: but there was a sense of pride you know and Mm -hmm. and we created space to celebrate. We also created space to give each other feedback. And you know, I modeled the feedback at first and then they they picked it up. They were like, Before you go and ask her for feedback, let's go through our own feedback.
1: He <laughs> got Michelle, that's what you're saying. I got Michelle. I love it. Yep. I'm a, if, I'm, I will cite you when I use that verb right. now going forward. <laughs> right. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Michelle. Like yeah. that's wow. Like,
2: and it's really interesting um, I, what I tell people that when you build a team, if you don't see your team as a team of leaders, then you do a disservice to them. So <laughs> you have to build and develop your team to become leaders. The The downside to that though, is they do become leaders and they leave. <laughs> So you've got to have an ongoing oh, yeah. team culture for onboarding folks and for right. developing folks. You know um, that original team; they're all leaders in in different places. And, and some of them are still in Boston, and but I have, you know, some of them have left and are doing great work
0: mm.
2: in, in other places. It's amazing!
0: See, you're building relationships, sustaining relationships. We all, often talk about building relationships, sustaining relationships even beyond, you know, when they were working together. Yeah, Yeah. I love this conversation. Uche, what does this leave you thinking about?
1: I mean, I'm just, I'm stuck on the passion piece. Um, The authenticity, like Michelle, you spoke about like the the importance of authenticity to yourself and how important that is to your work. But then when you spoke about the team, even when you were talking about, people who are maybe going to leave the team or trying to get people to align you, it was about the same thing. Like we want to make sure we're clear on what we're doing, but you have to be bought in and passionate. And I saw that same kind of, that authenticity is what you were looking for and clarity. And that at some point may decide whether you're stay on the team or not, but it's about the work. Am I the exactly. right person for the work? So mm-hmm. that's powerful and that's going to keep me going. Um,
0: yeah. Monica, what are you thinking? I love the passion and purpose and where that's coming from and you being able to articulate that and link it to your own upbringing and your identity. And I think it's something we all need to think about. Um, I also was really struck when you said you had all these people on the team and I'm putting that in you know air quotes here but they didn't know what each other did. And you said, well, then they need to understand each other's work. And in fact, they're not really a team if you don't understand how you're impacting each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think so many times in education, we do kind of view, like put our heads down and do our work as best we can. And we come together and we think that's a team, but it's not. And I loved all the ways you talked about actually creating a team and sustaining a team. and Yeah.
2: there's a difference between cooperation coordination and collaboration tell us and 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 when I when I worked with my team that was the one thing that I said to them I said there's there there, in any given given piece of work you might just want to coordinate I'm doing this Mm -hmm. and I want to make sure that it's not bumping up against what you're doing Mm-hmm. um you you might want to um coordinate uh you so we're coordinate what did I just say collaborate cooperate. <laughs> cooperate
0: yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking faster than I'm talking cooperation mm-hmm. is okay, you do this, you do that piece, you take that piece, I take this piece and we bring it back together right? Mm -hmm. right? and we have something. That's like event planning, that's cooperation.
0: Right, right, right. yeah, makes sense.
2: But collaboration, when you are trying to build something that has a major impact, it is about collaboration. And collaboration Mm -hmm. means that we have a shared vision, a shared goal, and we Mm -hmm. each understand our role in making that happen. Mm-hmm. And we all may not play the same role, but we all have, we all are moving in the same direction. So yeah. really being able to to help people understand that, yeah, there are gonna be times you need to cooperate or coordinate, but you know, if you really wanna make change, those pieces are pure
1: collaboration.
0: Shared,
1: mm-hmm. shared goals, yep. clear roles. I love that. Yep, mm-hmm. and
0: creating those conditions, Michelle, you Indeed. know. Yeah. I love it. Do you mind if we end with some fun questions for you? Sure. Um, I don't know, uh, everybody in the audience who's listening knows that Uche and I have shared our our favorite desserts, which center around now becoming a disagreement between ice cream and fancy sorbet, I think. But um, so our first question is um, do, you, do you have a favorite dessert? And if so, what is it? It doesn't have to be ice cream or sorbet. But you know what? It is ice cream. Oh, thank you.
1: Personal Michelle. I'm sorry.
2: (laughs) And it's Hagen Daz Caramel Cone Ice Cream. Caramel Cone Ice Cream. Caramel Cone Ice Cream. It is the best. Oh my God. Okay. We're going
0: to have to look into
2: that. I I won't go there. Mm -hmm. All
1: right. Okay. You know what? Go there. All right. You might be tempted.
0: He might be tempted.
1: (laughs) Perhaps. You know what? Um, that's fine. Michelle, I'm still grateful for you. (laughs) (laughs) What are you grateful for right now?
2: Oh, you know, um, 2020 has been Hmm. a year for the books. And, um, my daughter sent me this, this, um, meme with the white flag. She says, I'm done with 2020. (sighs) I give up. And, um, for me, I am grateful for life. I am grateful for my family. I am grateful for my health. But I also am grateful that I am actually living in a time where we might see mm-hmm. some real change um, that impacts um, folks in a positive way. Mm-hmm. I have to cling to that right now.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I, along love with so I love that. I love that.
2: That I'm here to, to to witness this, even though sometimes it feels a little scary. But mm-hmm. you know, change doesn't happen if there's not chaos and conflict.
0: That's right. Mm-hmm. You it said that earlier. dissatisfaction, yesterday. and there's yeah. lots of dissatisfaction. But yeah. well, we're grateful to, for having you with us. Um, and our uh-huh. last question uh-huh. uh, is: Can you tell us something you wish someone had told you about life after HGSE?
2: Ah, that it would never be dull. Mm-hmm. You know, you think you'll go off and you'll settle, but life is not was not has not been dull for me at all since h e s c Not at all. No, no, not at all. It's been fabulous, but it has not been. You know, I I figured I would settle in and I would put my nose down and I would really right. work on change, but it has become a roller coaster and it has been, you know, I don't like roller coasters except for this one. It's mm-hmm. been a it's been a great ride.
0: Mm-hmm. Wonderful. It sounds like it. Yeah. Well we so appreciate having you with us and you coming back and sharing your, oh, your phenomenal so... work and your insights and
1: mm-hmm. you know, talking about fear and,
0: <laughs> and <right>? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta try that. Well, you know. 608 Mm -hmm. 608 was
2: my favorite class. And I, when I was assistant superintendent in Boston, my notebook with all my case studies was right there on my desk (laughs) with all my notes. And, you know, every so often I would just thumb through to be nostalgia. But what always would happen was something would jump off of that page. And and I would be like, oh, Mm -hmm. it would be a new learning. Uh, That's awesome. That's what so Eric Peterson was thinking about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, not like that. Oh my oh, goodness! That's
2: there great. was a time where, when I first got there, I was like, "Okay, so what would Taryn Swan do?"
0: There you go. <laughs> there you go. And you were in the section? We had some bracelets made. W W T S. No. no, no, I don't think no, that was. Uh oh, I'm tipping <laughs> off the students. Okay. <laughs> stop. We gotta stop. Okay.
1: Exactly. Don't give away everything. All
0: right, all right. Thank you so much. Thank
1: you okay. so much, Michelle. Thank
2: you for having me.